Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for January 27, 2015. I am your host of the most Bleach Report featured columnist, Graham Jason Matthews, only 48 hours removed from the very controversial Ray Rumble pay-per-view on the WWE Network, which a lot of people claim to have canceled, but apparently not because the WWE Network just recently, just as of today as I record this, reached 1 million subscribers. So that's a great milestone. Very happy for WWE. I talk all about that along with my friend at John Knapp, 17 on Twitter, John Knapp. Um, we talk all about that, the Ray Rumble pay-per-view, WrestleMania 31 plans, and everything else in between in our upcoming conversation here on today's show. Gave him a call right out of the blue. He snowed in just like I am. We're in the New York, Boston, Massachusetts area, so we are snowed in here today. Originally, we are not going to go live today because I was going to be at SmackDown at the TD Garden in Boston. However, due to the blizzard that has since been canceled, unfortunately, we were not getting WWE at all this week, and uh, Raw has been moved from Monday. It was supposed to be at the XL Center in Hartford, which I went to that amazing Raw last June to, and uh, that has been postponed until Thursday. SmackDown going live on Sci-Fi should be really cool. Going to be watching it. Very happy for my friends over in Hartford that will be at that show. Should be a great show. Casket match. Daniel Bryan versus Kane. I did not watch Raw last night, so this will not be a Raw review type show tonight. Um, we're going to be talking about John and I. We'll be talking about Royal Rumble, WWE Network, everything else, like I said before. So um, no WWE in Boston this week, but I did get a refund for my money, and we will be going to TLC in December at the Garden in Boston. So that should be awesome. But uh, before we get into the Royal Rumble review, I do have some very cool news that I'll be starting to be writing for ProWrestlingShirts.com. Um, came to an agreement with them this past weekend. I'll be writing articles for them going forward. The official launch date for the website is this Sunday, February 1st. So go check it out. Some articles already up there as it is. Some Royal Rumble predictions, review, thoughts in the show already up there if you want to check it out. They sell t-shirts where they care just as much about writing their columns. They love the business. They're not your typical dirt cheat IW website like they have a lot of cool columns a lot of cool opinions so I also will be joining the fray but we'll be joining the uh, group of columnists writing for that website starting this upcoming week and with the time off today and tomorrow from the snowstorm and stuff like that on my first debut article will be going up for them this upcoming week so make sure to check that out at prowrestlingshirts.com new article up at Bleacher Report that I just wrote today as well making a case for why AJ Lee should be facing Stephanie McMahon whether or not be for the Divas title or not doesn't really matter. At WrestleMania 31. So that's an article out there right now. Might be writing something for what culture in the upcoming week. So a lot of cool stuff this upcoming week on WrestleRant Radio and Bleach Report, ProWrestlingShirts.com, what culture, everything else. And also I'll be making a special appearance tomorrow, Wednesday. Depends on when you listen to this. But uh, making a special appearance tomorrow on Arden Franklin's radio show, RST Radio. I apologize if I botched that. I think I got that right. He's got his own radio show. I've been on there before. We talked WrestleMania last time. I think I was on there in October as well. And uh, we talk all about Royal Rumble tomorrow. So that should be a very fun, interesting show. I go live on there. I think the time is like 11.08, something weird like that. But uh, yeah, you can check me on his show. I don't know what the exact link is, but you can check me out on Twitter at WrestleRant for the official link as well as on Facebook, Ram Juice and Matthews. YouTube, same thing. Bleach Report, same thing too. And um, that about covers everything before we get into the Ray Rumble review. But from a full written review of Ray Rumble, we don't get into the undercard matches. And why would we? I mean, <laughs> the entire undercard for that show was uh, not nothing bad. It was just kind of, you know, just pretty ho-hum, pretty standard stuff. But if you do want my full written review of Ray Rumble, it's up at nextairwrestling.weebly.com. New columns going up all the time. Also from John, that's where he hosts his John's Dargan column at nextairwrestling.weebly.com. Make sure to go check that out. And there is no Raw review for the first time in many years, as far as I can remember, that I have not written a review for Raw because nothing happened. I mean, they aired the entire Rumble match. They aired the entire championship matchup from Sunday night for free on uh, Monday Night Raw last night, so a pretty big slap in the face if you ask me to all the fans that paid for the pay-per-view on Sunday. For those of you that did not pay for it and did not see the show, I don't know why you wouldn't have, but if you didn't see it, then lucky you, then you got to see it again or for free on Monday nights. So that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, no Raw review up this week, written or on this show, but we do get all into the Royal Rumble. Me and John, at JohnNapp17 on Twitter. Make sure to follow him right here on WrestleRant Radio. Hope you enjoy the call. John, how's it going, brother? What's going on, Rams? Nothing much. Welcome to WrestleRant Radio. We're live on the air right now. Awesome. Good to be back. How's everyone doing? <laughs> so you watched the Royal Rumble on Sunday night, of course, right? Uh, unfortunately, I was one of the viewers. 
And we were texting back and forth during the show. But even before that, you were snowed in as well because you're going to Hofstra, correct? Hofstra University. We actually have a snow day today. It was brutal down here. We had a lot of uh, a lot of snow, a lot of flurries, big blizzard. Uh, but um, I have spent my night inside on the WWE Network uh, watching the Royal Rumble, unfortunately. <laughs> Did you watch the Royal Rumble replay on Monday night on the USA Network? I actually couldn't even bear myself <laughs> to tune into USA. Once I heard that Monday Night Raw was canceled, I thought this has to be one of the worst one-two punches for WWE in a long, long time. Like, not only did they just put out a terrible product on Sunday in which a lot of people revolted against the company, and keep in mind, not only was this noteworthy on Twitter, but a lot of, like, news uh, news media, like, picked up the story like that. Uh, uh, WWE fans were revolting against the company. I saw a lot of stuff on, like, AOL. And, um, but yeah, and then they go on to Monday night and it's canceled. And I know, of course, that's not their fault. You know, it's due to Mother Nature, of course. But I mean, just putting out a Royal Rumble that ended like that and then not having an actual Monday Night Raw to, like, make up for what you just put out on Sunday. I don't know. That's got to be one of the worst ones you punches in a long time. And this is coming from the same company that that prides himself on having a plan B. You know Triple H's signature slogan, always have a plan B. And then instead, I know they have a three-hour show to run, but a lot of people are getting upset over the fact that, I was making several statements last night on Twitter, that they should be doing something else other than replaying half of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And they did have some interviews on Raw. I did not watch the show, but I did watch some highlights on YouTube. And they had some great interviews with Roman and Brian and, uh, and Brock Lesnar as well and Paul Heyman. But you think that they could have come up with something else. And like you said, they have so much content on the WWE Network that they could have replayed an old episode of Raw or some highlights on the road to WrestleMania because we're officially on the road to WrestleMania. There's so many other things they could have done. But you mentioned before that you're watching WWE Network instead. Were you a part of this stupid movement, hashtag cancel WWE Network? I'm assuming not. I was not. I was not a part of that movement. I'll be, I was probably a little more angry than anyone who was threatening to cancel their WWE Network subscription. I mean, when I saw Daniel Bryan get eliminated, my face went from shock to total disgust. And you can ask my roommate, he can vouch for me. Every time he came out to talk to me, I was silent. I had nothing to say to him. I just sat in my chair and stared at the TV. Like, when The Rock came out, I didn't pop at all. I didn't mark out. When Roman Reigns eliminated Rusev, I was as still as a, like, a flower. Like, I, I didn't even move. So... It, it was it was just it was not a good night. But I did not uh, hashtag w, or cancel WWE Network. Um, I think that that's pretty preposterous. I mean, I, I agreed with one of your tweets. If you if you're really not satisfied with the product right now, the best thing to do is just be quiet, to quietly you know back out. I mean, they'll they'll notice in the ratings like every every viewer counts. And, and if you're that dissatisfied, you should just stop watching the product and they'll notice. And it'll take a, it'll take a toll on them. In which, in turn, will you know, hopefully allow them to amp up their product, revamp their product, maybe do uh, some more attitude in it. But um, yeah, threatening to cancel the WWE Network, I think it's a little, it's a little much, you know. Especially because we're all wrestling fans, you know. We've all seen better days. We all want to see better days, and uh, just you know, totally going against the company like that, who's provided so many great memories for us. I think it's a little childish, to be honest. But um, I was not a part of that movement. No, I absolutely agree with what you were saying in that, in that uh, you know, 10 years ago, and I know the internet was obviously not as prominent as it is now, and we, don't, we didn't have Twitter and Facebook and whatever else 10, 15 years ago, but, you know, whatever happened to those WCW fans that didn't transition over to WWE after the Monday Night Wars, they just disappeared. Nobody revolted. There weren't any chance. There weren't any crowds taking over the shows. They just stopped watching, and it was more so the casual viewers than it was the hardcore viewers, or people just kind of phase out of it. People just don't, you know, up and stop watching. I mean, some people do, and some people probably cancel, but, you know, for the most part, though, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. And this is also coming off the news. I don't know if you heard or not. Just mere hours ago, it was announced in WWE.com, the WWE Network is officially broken even at 1 million subscribers. The The timing could not have been better. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, as far as the IWC, they, WWE Network could have reached 1 billion subscribers. Everyone is still upset over what happened in the Royal Rumble. Now, I did not watch Monday Night Raw, but I did see a lot of tweets um, concerning the interview with Lone Reigns and Paul Heyman, and a lot of people saying, like, wow, like, 
that interview between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns just sold me on WrestleMania, or Paul Heyman alone just bought me into that match. Like, here's my money. But I find I find that especially to be really weird because I mean, as as professional wrestling fans, you have to have a little more spine than that. You, to, you can't be so flaky. If you were if you were really angry about Roman Reigns winning the uh, Royal Rumble on Sunday night, then on Monday night you should not be tweeting at all. I'm, I'm sold on this match right now. I mean. I just thought, I thought of all fans, of, of, of all the disciplines out there, wrestling fans should have a little bit more of a spine. And I know there are people who are still, you know, angry about Roman Reigns winning the, uh, the Royal Rumble and, and they will not tune into WrestleMania. That's how angry they are. But um, I saw a lot of people tweeting about uh, how, how they were sold on the match officially between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns just after that one interview. Uh, so the IWC is it's it's pretty it's it's in a weird position right now. But I think that the one million followers for the uh, one million subscribers for the uh, WWE Network is a uh, it's a good it's a good accomplishment for WWE. I think it should have happened a lot sooner. Um, to be honest, they should have happened months ago. But um, it, it came at a fortunate time, especially with the Royal Rumble and then Monday Night Raw being canceled. And I cannot actually remember the last time I heard about a Monday Night Raw being canceled due to weather. Uh, that's got to be a historic night, the fact that Monday Night Raw is canceled due to uh, weather. Yeah, exactly, due to weather and not, I mean, a lot of people brought up the Benoit situation from a couple years ago, but um, that was, of course, due to the death of, that, that was, due, of course, due to the death of Benoit, not due to weather, so like you said, I can't remember the last time that happened. But um, yeah, I was definitely among the my that, that group of people. I wouldn't say I was sold in the matchup between Roman and Brock, but if they can keep that up, I might be a little more open to the idea of them facing at each other at WrestleMania, because I think of all the negatives that come out of that pay-per-view, and there were a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of great stuff that happened too, especially after, or before the elimination of Daniel Bryan, there was a lot of cool stuff, but um, one of the positives of Roman Reigns winning that Rumble, and I think both of you and I can agree, and I'll get to this in a second, that Roman Reigns is not ready for the main event of WrestleMania, but at least, if anything else, since Brock Lesnar came back to the company about three years ago in 2012, all he's faced has been John Cena, Triple H, CM Punk with the exception, and uh, you know all these top-tier names that he, of course, either faced in his previous run or people that already established and don't need the rub from Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns is at least a fresh face. That's a good match to do at WrestleMania in theory, and this is before you know not taking into account all the uh, you know the fact that he's not ready for the main event of WrestleMania. But of course, you and I were sitting down watching Monday Night Raw two or three weeks ago when he cut that promo and you and I looked at each other and said, this guy cannot mean event WrestleMania. And you and I also watched that Raw together where Daniel Bryan came back and announced his participation in the Royal Rumble. So why they would have him in the Rumble to begin with makes no sense to me. So do you agree that Roman Reigns, regardless of whether it's a fresh match or not, because I like Roman Reigns, I think he's the future, but do you think he is ready for the main event of WrestleMania? Well, I'd like to pull a quote from um, Nick Foley's Twitter at the, at the moment. Um, I just remember going through my timeline last night and seeing Mick um, Foley really um, excited about the work that Roman Reigns did in this interview with Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw. And someone uh, tweeted at him and said, oh yeah, uh, Mr. McMahon or Vince McMahon has been writing um, his promos recently. And Mick Foley actually responded to the tweet and said, well then I politely have to ask Mr. McMahon to stop because he was so elated with Roman Reigns' um, work, his candid interview between Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, he thought that that Roman Reigns was the Roman Reigns that needed to go into WrestleMania, and not the Roman Reigns talking about, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk and the Golden Goose and whoever wrote that promo. <laughs> I did hear that was Mr. McMahon. That promo was god-awful. I mean, I just remember watching that with you, and when, when he, he made the Jack and the Beanstalk reference, and then I was like, all right, that was, that was tacky, but whatever, it's Roman Reigns. And then he's like, if y'all got a couple of minutes, I got a story for you. I'm like, wow, he's really going to like take five minutes of our lives talking about Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> I mean, that Roman Reigns is not ready. But if I can agree with Nick Foley, if Roman Reigns could candidly, you know, unscripted, you know, talk and, you know, be himself and not talk about Jack and the Beanstalk and not only be limited saying believe that, like... And then maybe this Roman Reigns is ready for WrestleMania, but I mean, they're, they're going to have to do a whole, like a total rehaul of this character. I mean, he's got to stop doing the corny punchlines and the, like, I mean, I want to see some emotion from him, you know? I mean, and I do like Roman Reigns. 
I really do. I felt, I honestly, I, after the Royal Rumble, following my uh, initial anger, one of the first emotions I felt was sorry for Roman Reigns. I mean, he's a great talent. I mean, you can go back to any Raw over the last year, and people pop hard for him. People love Roman Reigns. They go crazy for him. It was just the fact that as soon as Daniel Bryan entered his name in the Royal Rumble, no, the WWE Universe sought no one else fit to win. And, and that's, that, that's what I felt. That's what you felt. I mean, once Daniel Bryan said, I'm going to the Royal Rumble, I mean, you were, you were with me. I almost cried during that promo on December 29th, uh, the last draw of 2014, when he inserted himself in the Royal Rumble. I thought he was retiring. I, I, everyone thought he was retiring. I was scared that I was going to lose Daniel Bryan. And so once he did that, he brought that kind of emotion out of people. Uh, I mean, so many people got behind Daniel Bryan to just go to the Royal Rumble, win the Royal Rumble, go to WrestleMania, beat Brock Lesnar. And so when it was Roman Reigns, oh my goodness. But I mean, if Roman Reigns can kind of uh, shy away from his Believe That and his Golden Goose and his Jack and the Beanstalk, and I mean, there's a chance that uh, I can I can tolerate his match between Brock Lesnar. And that's going to main event the show, which it should because it's the WWE title match. They're going to really have to have some great undercard matches to support it. Yeah, the heat here should be on, not Roman Reigns, because like you said, I also felt sorry for Roman Reigns once that pay-per-view ended, and that it's not his fault that he's not ready. I mean, if you're Roman Reigns, you're not going to turn down the push of a century to main event WrestleMania for the championship. That's not his fault. But, um, yeah, like you said, if Daniel Bryan was going to announce his participation in the matchup and they were going to eliminate him so early, it just made no sense to me and to you either because once that happened, both you and I were shocked as well as the rest of the WWE Universe. But let me ask you this. Do you think had they waited to bring back Daniel Bryan until after the Royal Rumble and had maybe this too, I don't know if you have a combination of both or what, you wait until Daniel Bryan, until after the Royal Rumble to bring back Daniel Bryan and then you have Roman Reigns uh, return in the Rumble matchup as opposed to a month ago at TLC, do you think the reception would have been better than it was on Sunday night? Well, I heard a lot of people propose that idea that you wait on the Daniel Bryan return, wait until that night after the Royal Rumble. I did hear a lot of, of that. And with the situation or the scenario that you just brought up where you have Roman Reigns return in the match instead of at TLC, that would sure as hell be a lot better than just having him, you know, for a month walk around uh, fighting the big show. Um, so, had he returned in the Rumble match, that would have been a, a, a lot better than what we got on Sunday. However, all summer, all year of 2014, the IWC, you and me, uh, you know, countless names, have been getting, uh, been getting behind um, Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler. Those are just two, two of the guys that you know everyone loves to love, everyone loves to watch, perform, talk, you name it, read the phone book. Like, they can do it all. Um, so I think that if it wasn't, like, opposed to um, what like Matt Hardy said on Twitter, where you have Daniel Bryan return after the Rumble, I mean, if, if it wasn't Daniel Bryan, it'd be Dean Ambrose. And if, if Dean Ambrose was injured, it'd be Dolph Ziggler. So they're, they're, they're the secondary and the tertiary um, guys that we want to see win this match. I mean, all year, like, Dean Ambrose had a breakout year in 2014. Dolph Ziggler is returning to the spot that he was a couple years ago and that he's back on top. But, I mean, if it wasn't Daniel Bryan, if he, if he had waited to return, people would have wanted Dolph Ziggler to win. If Dolph Ziggler was going to be eliminated, people would have wanted Dean Ambrose to win. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, as much as I love Roman Reigns, it's just, it, he's, not what, he's not what the doctor ordered right now. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he's got a little more uh, evolution as a character, a little more progression in character development to undergo. But, I mean, especially the way that Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler were eliminated, like, that was the most insulting to my intelligence. To just see Big Show and Kane, two guys who shouldn't even be wrestling anymore, just drop them over like a sack of dead weight, like they're no threat at all. Like, that was, that was, the, that was just the, that was the cherry on top to my night. Seeing like uh, Daniel Bryan got eliminated like uh, at before the number seventeen entry of the match, and then like the two guys that I want to win, if Daniel Bryan can't win, are eliminated like a sack of potatoes by the Big Show. Like that, that was that was that was part of what made me mad. But I mean, going back to your question, if it wasn't going to be uh, Daniel Bryan, it had to be Dean Ambrose or Dolphin. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Someone else mentioned that to me last night as well, and that if it wasn't Daniel Bryan, it would have been Dolph Ziggler or Dean Ambrose. I think the only problem, I mean, that obviously would not, would have been the case, 
But that said, though, I think, like you just said before, Daniel Bryan going to WrestleMania to reclaim the championship that he technically never lost, win the match that he should have won last year, it's a story that writes itself. With Dolph Ziggler or Dean Ambrose, people still would have gotten behind them, but I don't think the story, as great as it was, because Ziggler was fired and Ambrose has been losing and he finally gets his big win, I don't think their wins would have made as much sense as Bryan's did, because Bryan's was a story, because now I fear what they do with them at WrestleMania, and I'll get to that in a minute, but as it stands right now with all the matches that are currently slated for the card, Cena and Rusev, uh, Lesnar and Reigns, Triple H and Sting, Orton and Rollins maybe, Brian's going to be like fourth or fifth down the card, and this is the most popular guy in the company, So, and I don't think they're going to pull an audible like they did a year ago, so I'm very... Very, very uh, nervous as to what they're going to do with uh, with Daniel Bryan come WrestleMania. We'll get to that in a minute. But you mentioned the eliminations. And aside from the elimination of Daniel Bryan, which was obviously very shocking and very poorly done in the fashion that it was, because it wasn't like in Shawn Michaels a couple years ago when he waited up until the very end and Shawn Michaels was like one of the final people eliminated in his final rumble and he was desperate to get to WrestleMania to face The Undertaker. It wasn't like that at all. Bray Wyatt tossed him out randomly. But you get to the end and you get Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Ryback, Bray Wyatt even. They get tossed out, like you said in your words, like a sack of potatoes by Big Show and Kane of all people. And I think their philosophy, their thinking was that if we have Big Show and Kane and Rusev have be them be the last ones in that matchup and Roman Reigns eliminates them, then it will get them behind Roman Reigns. But that didn't happen. They still booed regardless. It was disgusting to me. I think it would have been better had they waited until Brian and that they you know they kept Brian in there or Ziggler or Ambrose or Ryback, whoever. And then even if Reigns eliminates them, at least the matchup wouldn't have suffered on the whole. At least it wouldn't have been that bad. Um, because I think after Brian's elimination, the whole match was you know all downhill from there. So do you think the matchup would have been better if they waited to eliminate Brian, Ziggler, Ambrose, whoever, until the very end? Well, 100%. I mean, these are the names, like the, the three Ds that you just mentioned, Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler. These are the names that we've been pulling for all of 2014. And they were eliminated in just terrible fashion. I mean, if you gave them somewhat of a, like a, a looking strong in elimination, I mean, that's that's totally different. I mean, you, you brought up how Shawn Michaels was eliminated. Like, the, the fashion in which he was eliminated in 2010 was just, it was crazy how he, he had his hands on the ropes, how Batista was, like, punching his hands away or swatting his hands away, and he was, like, falling off ever desperately reaching for the ropes. Like, you were in the moment begging for Shawn Michaels to grab the rope, and when he hit the mat, you're like, oh! You but you didn't feel cheated. Because because Shawn Michaels put on such a, a good match and put up such a strong fight, and you're like, ah, oh, Shawn Michaels, he gave it his all. I mean, you know? But, I mean, Daniel Bryan, like, I remember seeing him um, when he initially went over the top rope right before he was eliminated. I was like, oh, wow, like, that was close. Like, ugh, careful, get back in the ring. And then when I saw like, Bray Wyatt, he, like, he, like, countered Bray Wyatt, and then Bray Wyatt, like, ran off to the center of the ring, and then he, like, ran back. I'm like, all right, get out of the way, Daniel Bryan. Like, Bray Wyatt's coming. And then Bray Wyatt just trucks into him and knocks him off. And, I mean, the crowd just turned on the entire match from that point. It didn't matter what you did. I mean, you could have had Bruno San Martino return or Bob Backlund or Texas <laughs> Ghost. Like, nothing would have nothing would have mattered anymore. And it was just, the, the way they were eliminated was just not conducive to look, making them look strong at all. I mean, like, I love the example you brought up with Shawn Michaels. That made him look perfect in defeat. Like, he desperately wanted to stay in the match and he just couldn't hang on. Right, Dolph Ziggler gets KO'd by the Big Show, and Destiny, like I'm thinking, all right, he got KO'd, but maybe he could like wake up and like you know stay in this match. At least he's the number thirty entry. At least remain final final four. How about no? Just no no fight at all. Just drops, just gets dropped over the ring like a sack of potatoes. So that was that. That was like I said, that was the cherry on top of the terrible Sunday we were fed at on Sunday at the Royal Rumble. And Dolph Ziggler is the same guy that won the main the the main event of Survivor Series. You know, saved the WWE only two months ago in the main event of that pay per view on the WWE Network. The same guy that was the center focus of this entire firing angle. Only a couple of weeks ago, he was fired by the Authority, was reinstated as of Monday on Raw, had to earn his way into the Rumble match this past week on SmackDown. He was a big freaking candidate coming into this matchup. People probably didn't think he would win, but he was a big candidate. He was very over. Like you said, he was a number 30 entrant. 
and the guy lasted all of two minutes. Like, if you didn't watch any Raws, if you didn't watch Survivor Series, you would have never known that this guy was a big focus of WWE programming for the last couple of months, for the last couple of weeks. Like, the way it was handled was so bizarre. I don't know what they did with that. But we also can't forget the return of The Rock on this show. And he came back. There were a lot of rumors that he'd be in Philly. And once WWE made it official on their website and mentioned it, multiple times throughout the broadcast on Sunday night, you knew he was going to show up. And once it was obvious that Big Show and Ziggler were the final two entrants, you didn't know what in capacity he would come out because he wasn't going to be in the Rumble itself. So he comes out, saves Roman Reigns, his cousin. They have that family tie. I don't even know if they acknowledge that on the broadcast, even though it's common knowledge, you know, between the fans and whatever. So he saves Roman Reigns and, you know, he gets the big pop when he comes out. But even when he's raising up Roman's hand, he does not get the reaction that WWE was hoping for, and Rock, you could see it, the, the facial expression that he had was priceless. He's thinking, this not this should not be happening right now. This is not, they should not be booing Roman Reigns. Like, this doesn't make any sense. So, do you think they brought in Rock as damage control in the case that we really want Roman to get cheered to while bringing his cousin to endorse him? Do you think that they thought, do you think that they thought there was a chance that it could fail? Well, that, that's exactly what the WWE brought the Rock out for, as an endorsement. Right. They probably knew that the Philly crowd wouldn't exactly get behind Roman Reigns right off the bat, but they thought, we got our ace in the hole, we got The Rock who will come out, take out Big Show and Kane, endorse Roman Reigns, and then all of a sudden look up behind, behind Roman Reigns. That's not exactly how it works. And I'd just like to point out, I follow this Twitter account, and I'd love to shout it out, but I don't remember the name, but I retweeted him so he can go on my Twitter to see it. There's, there was so much continuity error between Roman Reigns and The Rock, and he tweet a picture of the last encounter that Roman Reigns and The Rock had. There's a picture of Roman Reigns stopping Rock in the corner. Alright, and so if you're a horror, like you always bring up, if you treat Monday Night Raw like an actual TV show, alright, and you watch it, or, or any WWE program like an actual TV show, like with seasons and characters, and you watch it from 2013 to now, they'll think, why the hell is The Rock coming out? Mm-hmm. Saving Roman Reigns. Uh, of course, us hardcore fans know that he, they are cousins of their family, and that's what the WWE was trying to accentuate in that moment. But if you're a casual fan watching wrestling like it's just a normal TV show, and you're looking back to Roman Reigns stop as a Shield member, stopping The Rock in the corner, and The Rock coming out and saving uh, Roman Reigns and Big Show Keen, I thought like when I saw that, I was like, wow. This company, like you and I have been saying all weekend, this company. That was, uh, that's just something I thought. But The Rock was definitely used as an endorsement to Roman Reigns, as you said, as damage control. But it just, there was, he couldn't clean up that mess. The mess in Philly was just too big for The Rock to deal with. And I hate, see, I, I hate seeing people blame the crowd for ruining the show, for blaming Daniel Bryan's fans. Oh, it's because of the Daniel Bryan fans had the match when, you know, went as sour as it did. It's not that people are blaming the match. They're not saying the match sucked because Daniel Bryan didn't win. They're not saying it sucked because Roman Reigns won. They're saying it sucked because the booking of the matchup, and more so because they did it two years in a row. They did it with Batista last year. And why they didn't expect the same thing to happen this year is beyond me. Like I said, maybe they did have some sort of expectation, like you said. That's why they brought in The Rock. But they had to know that it was going to go far beyond that. This is frilly freaking Dolphy, the same crowd that loves wrestling, one of the most passionate wrestling crowds out there. They had to know this was going to go beyond just a few boos and just a few jeers. They had to know this was going to go beyond that, and Roman Reigns was going to get booed out of the building. And not even The Rock, one of the most over-legends that they could bring in, was not going to salvage that. So my question for you is, do you think we've seen the last of The Rock on the road to WrestleMania? That's a tough question, actually, because there have been countless rumors that he could, you know, potentially be involved in the card. Um, my only con- concern is that where would, he, where would he be on the card? Who would he face? I mean, we already have a couple matches laid down, and we, we have our main event. We have our secondary main event in Triple H and Sting. I mean, The Rock is the type of name you do not want to overshadow on the card. I mean, Triple H and Sting are already positioned to have, you know, a second-tier match at WrestleMania. You know, so I'm thinking that if you're going to bring The Rock in the show, it's probably as a, you know, a promo to open the night, you know, how they did WrestleMania 30, or it's a, an encounter backstage, but definitely not in-ring action. I can't see, I don't even know who we could possibly face. That would make me any more inclined to uh, tune into WrestleMania. 
Yeah, Triple H was a likely rumored opponent for quite a while, dating back to the 15th anniversary of SmackDown, but of course, already set in stone, Triple H versus uh, Sting at WrestleMania. They're going to be encountering one another at the Fastlane pay-per-view in a couple weeks, so that's definitely not an option, but... I wouldn't be opposed to him coming back next year for WrestleMania, maybe for a Hall of Fame induction, then la- wrestles his final match at WrestleMania 32. I wouldn't be uh, against that whatsoever, especially if we get one more match from Taker or Austin, like we were saying you know, a couple days ago via text. But on that note, I was actually just thinking about this before I started talking to you over the phone. Do you think that, and we'll talk about WrestleMania plans in, in a couple minutes, but do you think at some point in the next year they could turn Roman Reigns heel, whether it be in the next couple of weeks, depending on how the crowd react, depending on how our own Hartford, Connecticut crowd reacts on Thursday to SmackDown to Roman Reigns when they go live on the USA or on Sci-Fi, um, whether it happens at WrestleMania or within the next year, do you think they could turn Roman Reigns heel and do a Rock Reigns match at WrestleMania 32 to make sense of that whole encounter on Sunday night? Because if they don't bring back Rock at any point in the near future, then all of that was, you know, it's going to become obvious that it was desperate. Do you think that in the long term they can make sense of that by planting seeds for an eventual match between the two at WrestleMania 32? Rock uh, puts Reigns over as a big star. He retires, and that's a kind of passing the torch kind of thing. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, in all of my despair this past Sunday, my, my thought process was if there was one thing that could possibly save this night, it would be The Rock walking off, all right, and then Roman Reigns turning around and hitting The Rock with a spear. That would be the one thing that could save the Royal Rumble. That would be, all right, that, that wasn't so bad, okay? So I would definitely like, like to see down the line a Rock versus Roman Reigns back. At this point, I think it's inevitable, to be honest. I mean, Roman Reigns is all the other day for Keith's past, but he will be turning heel at some point in the future. I can tell, I, 100%. He'll be turning heel, if not, if not in the, on Vince Road WrestleMania, at some point this year. So it's inevitable that we're going to see the Rock versus Roman Reigns at some point, hopefully WrestleMania 32, because that is a huge matchup. I remember this past summer we were hinting at the fact that maybe at WrestleMania 31, they could do Rock versus Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. So, um, it definitely felt like they were going in that direction on Sunday night with turning Roman Reigns heel because with the authority coming out, I thought Reigns would turn on Rock and then he would join the authority and be their new guy. And in, in, in turn, it's not like Brock Lesnar turning babyface would be an out-of-nowhere thing. We were talking last week that they kind of heavily teased that at the end of last week's Raw, so... They could kind of do it in an organic way that people already cheering for Brock Lesnar. They loved him on Sunday night in Philly, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. I mean, in storyline, it would be bizarre that the guy who got the most heat coming out of WrestleMania 30 last year, the guy who ended the streak, is all of a sudden the babyface, the monster heel that you want to conquer is now the monster babyface in the company. But like we talked about, they are so short on heels right now. They need Brock Lesnar as the heel, so they have to do Roman as a babyface in the road to WrestleMania. Maybe they turn him afterwards once Brock leaves. I'm not exactly sure what they do, but it's going to be interesting nevertheless. But um, yeah, I look forward to that match if they do it at WrestleMania 32, Rock and Roman. But like you said before, on the road to WrestleMania 31, Brian versus Sheamus. Are you on board for that? Oh, God, no. <laughs> that, to me, just seems like wasted booking, wasted years. I've been having this innate fear that I haven't voiced on Twitter. I haven't even told you. But I've been having this innate fear, all right, in my um, in, uh, adventures through the WWE Network. I've been going back to about 2012, 2013, the past two, three, four years on the WWE Network. I've been watching a lot of content, all right? And you go back and you watch mid-card matches like with Cesaro, with Jack Swagger, with Dolph Ziggler, names like that. The fact that we are three years removed from when when I'm watching these guys work, and they're in the same exact spot, is crazy to me. It's blasphemous. All right, imagine 1997, Stone Cold Steve Austin, mid card, not not exactly over yet. You know, he's getting a he's getting a large following, but he's not the top guy in 1997. Imagine in 2000. If Stone Cold was still that mid-card guy, still he never became the rattlesnake. He just was still that mid-card guy. And it could have been what happened. But I feel like the WWE is wasting years. And that's a scary thought when you think about it. I mean, I know people really bash on them for keeping Cena as, as over as a top guy for as long as they have. It's been 
Taylor just became like a top guy in 2009, 2008, all right? And he, and he entered the WWE in, 2000, in 1999, all right? So you're going you're gonna to have little stories like that. But the fact that the IWC, IWC is so high on guys like Cesaro, guys like, Daniel, like guys like Daniel Bryan, guys like Dolph Ziggler, and they're basically the same tier talent they were when they debuted is crazy to me. That is like we're wasting the, like the the, the the lifespan of the sh- the shelf life of a, a professional wrestler is not that long. I mean, it's just you gotta start cashing in on these guys. These guys are hot, hot, hot. I mean, I know that they last year with Daniel Bryan they turned him into a star. Hopefully this year they turn Roman Reigns into a star. But, I mean, there are guys we're overlooking that could, you know, they've been in the WWE for a long time, and they're in the same exact spot. And that's been one of my fears for a long time now, that we're going to see guys like The Miz head out of WWE, leaving the, the same way he came in. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously The Miz came in as a, a legitimate nobody. And the fact that he's turned something into his career, that which was nothing, is amazing to me. But, I mean, it's, we should have top point these guys aren't getting any younger especially guys like Cesaro and Dolph Ziggler who I think are in their early to mid 30s so it's they don't have much time left in WWE and I wouldn't be surprised if Cesaro calls it quits at some point I mean someone pitched it to me a while ago and I thought it was a bit mind like why would you even think that but you know in thinking a little more about it it's actually a little more likely you know given the fact that he had so much more respect over in Ring of Honor and all these other companies over in Japan, whatever, that, you know, it's not really out of the realm of possibility, like a guy like Dolph Ziggler, to say, fuck it, if they're not going to push me, I'll just go elsewhere to see where my talent can be appreciated. And um, do you think that that with these guys being branded as a mid-carder, Kofi Kingston especially, like, he's a prime example of this, do you think a guy like a Kofi Kingston, a Dolph Ziggler, a Cesaro, like you said, a Jack Swagger, in being marginalized for so long and not being used to their top potential, to their top-tier status, where they could be at, do you think that hinders them? Do you think that damage their, damages their potential over time in terms of them... Well, I mean- if they were to become a world champion at some point in time, do you think that people would be like, oh, I don't give a shit about this guy. I don't see them as a world champion because they've been branded as this mid-card talent for so long? It, it may, in fact, hinder them, but it's up to them to move past that hindrance. Mm-hmm. Right? It's up to them, not the people writing for them. It's up to them to find something, find a way to get over, get past that marginalization. I mean, Jack Swagger did that. The we the people is so over, but he is booked so terribly. He is, he is so, like, how, how do you expect me to care for Jack Swagger if you put him in a red-hot feud with, Rome, uh, with Rusev, all right, and then you just make him look so weak in defeat every time, all right, and then, like, a couple months later, you got nothing to do with Rusev, so just feed him back to Jack Swagger. Why the hell would I care? I mean, it's stupid decisions like that that make these guys, like, not not noteworthy. Like, uh, why should I invest in Jack Swagger if he's being booked terribly? Same with guys like Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett came in the company in 2010, albeit he had some WWE Championship shots in his, in his rookie year. He's literally doing the same exact thing. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, of course, he, he started bad news Barrett in 2014. That was, that was a, little bit of dif- a little bit of a difference, but he's 
a B plus, exactly, like an 89. So he needs to break through, and I feel it's not his fault. When you have him lose the guys like Sin Cara and, you know, lose on a weekly basis as the Intercontinental Champion, why should I care about you? Like, I want to get behind you. You're a great talent, all right? You can talk great. But when you're losing to Sin Cara, who I definitely don't care about, why should I care about you? So it's the booking process. They, they just treat these guys who have so much potential like they're garbage, all right? And this is my last point on this. Uh, a lot of people uh, really credit John Cena for, for staying on top for 10 years and Randy Orton for staying on top for 10 years. But, I mean, as impressive as that is, it's kind of pathetic because there have been guys like CM Punk, Dolph Ziggler, uh, Daniel Bryan uh, recently who who are more than ready to take over and you're still here. I mean, thankfully, Cena has bowed out a little. He's not in the championship picture as much. I mean, last year going against Bray Wyatt, but burying him. This year going against Rusev, I wouldn't be surprised if John Cena pinned Rusev at WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of pathetic. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think the way that they've been handling their talent is just atrocious, atrocious, especially with all the young guys and the way they could be using them and stuff like that. With all the talent they have, like you said, you mentioned Wade Barrett before, Bad News Barrett, and you mentioned that he's the Intercontinental Champion. I talked to you about this the last time I saw you and that this guy is a five-time Intercontinental Champion, something that at any other year, you know, maybe a decade ago, would have been celebrated, like a, a Jericho who had nine icy title reigns. Not every one of those reigns was great, but that most of them were memorable. Wade Barrett's, can you remember any other reign, any other two, maybe two or three other reigns that this guy had as Intercontinental Champion? Not off the top of my head, no. Exactly, that's exactly it, because the mid-card titles don't mean anything, and that's another rant for another day. But a Wade Barrett, a Kofi Kingston, a Dolph Ziggler, maybe less so on Kofi. I never really saw him as like a world champion competitor. Well, not, not even making him a world champion, but just giving him something different. I mean, I know that like, Kofi Kingston has never been a heel in his seven years in this company. He's never, he, the, the biggest character development we've seen was him going from Jamaican to West African. That's <laughs> the biggest thing we've seen. Yep. So, it's, it's time to, you know, are writing like they're writing like at a snail's pace they're writing like we have Dolph Ziggler forever alright they, they they already jumped the gun on him they, they pulled the trigger too early on him in 2013 now they're like alright well Dolph Ziggler's a great talent we got him for a long time you know we'll keep him around we'll keep him fighting Cesaro for the next 10 years and then when John Cena's dead we'll, uh, we'll maybe give him a title shot like that's not how you book that's just not how you do it <sighs> No, I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. I, I definitely feel your pain. So we were talking before about WrestleMania 31 going for the road to WrestleMania is officially kicked off. So we already talked briefly about Brian versus Sheamus. What other matches do you think will happen? What other what other matches do you hope to happen at WrestleMania? And where do you see guys like Adolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, Ryback, Dean Ambrose all falling on the WrestleMania card this year? Well, I mean, I've been I've been praying for that Randy Orton return, which, as he said, is like a running gag by now. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching Survivor Series and having a tweet for, like ready to go. Like I remember pre-tweeting, like typing in before it happened. Yep. Oh my God, it's Mrs. Orton's baby boy back at Survivor Series, just waiting for his return. And of course, that night we got Sting's debut, which is a lot more memorable than a Randy Orton return. But I was definitely expecting him, if not to. Um, interfere in the world title match and like take out Seth Rollins to be an entry in the Royal Rumble at least and they're, they're not they didn't even give him that alright I read I read news that they, they like they, they, uh, I read news on Twitter that um there were rumors of his return and they wanted it to be a total surprise so since it wasn't a total surprise they just kiboshed it but it's, it's time to get what my point is it's time for Randy Orton and Seth Rollins to start the rivalry because Having Seth Rollins do anything else at WrestleMania other than fight Randy Orton would just be a total wasted, no, wasted 2000, end of 2014 with their uh, rivalry that started. Um, so that match definitely needs to happen between Seth Rollins and Randy Orton. Um, in one of the articles that I wrote um, on John Strogan, I said that John Cena and Rusev need to happen. I also claimed that uh, Daniel Bryan and Lesnar need to happen. That's not happening as of now, so... Um, I can see Daniel Bryan potentially uh, seeing the show with maybe Dolph Ziggler face versus face. I mean, like you said, there's not a lot of heels 
Of course, Sheamus will be returning, but um, I don't know what you do with Sheamus. Maybe a Sheamus Ryback match. Uh, maybe a Daniel Bryan Wade Barrett match. It's just it's too hard to tell, and you can't just have all these one-on-one singles matches. Mm-hmm. That would just fill the show with pointless matches. You gotta have some tag matches and stuff. But like, I mean, I imagine I'd really love to see uh, Damian Sandow versus The Miz. That would be a great opener to the show. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, well, that would probably be a pre-show squash with The Miz. Like, it's, it's, just, it's we're, we're in bad shape right now. And I don't have much courage. I don't have much faith in WWE to do a right undercard for WrestleMania. Because you go back to WrestleMania 30, we really didn't have an undercard. We had Lesnar-Undertaker, the title match, Bryan versus Triple H, and which was already kind of tied into the main event as it was. They had to have Bryan do double duty on that night. So they had Cena, Wyatt, Lesnar-Taker, the title match, and... The Memorial Battle Royal. The Memorial Battle Royal, which was basically the undercard, that Shield random triple threat, and the Divas Battle Royal. They basically got everyone on the card in these random-ass matches. And the Shield, was their match lasted all of two minutes. So I don't know how they're going to be able to do an undercard for this year. And like you said, I don't see them doing... It's not like it's a fucking fast lane or TLC where they can afford to do singles matches on the grandest days of them all. They can't do that. And uh, hopefully they can add some meaning. Like, they can't do Sheamus versus Ryback out of nowhere. Would be a good match, like you said, be something new. But they just can't do these matches out of nowhere. At least Orton, Rollins, and all these other matches make sense from a storyline standpoint. What was that? I said, at least these, these um, rivalries have history, or uh, they make sense, like you said. Exactly, exactly. And Brian versus Ziggler, like you said, would steal the show. I would love to see that. Um, they did something on Twitter just today or yesterday, kind of petitioning for that. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we really have to reserve judgment until after Fastlane and see what they do with that. They're already booking Cena versus Rusev for the next pay-per-view, which is... Which, which speaking, out of, speaking of out of nowhere... <laughs> Are they really establishing this rivalry on a post Royal Rumble show that I didn't even watch? Yep. I was so bad. You know how many people probably did not see that spot between John Cena and Rusev because they were so pissed off about yep. Royal Rumble? And now that you didn't have Monday Night Raw either, like a, an actual Monday Night Raw, and people probably didn't want to tune in, you know how many people probably do not know that John Cena versus Rusev has even started, is even a, a concept? I mean, that. Who starts a rivalry for the post-show? <laughs> for John Cena, of all people, too. I know. That, that is probably, that is, the pre- and the post-show has got to be one of the lowest-rating shows in the WWE <laughs> Network of every show that they air. And you're going to start, like, a top rivalry like that, like the undefeated Rusev versus the face of the company, John Cena. To start, and, and, and it's not even like Rusev, like, spit in his mother's face. Like, he just interrupted his, his promo. It's ridiculous. I was laughing my ass off when I saw that because I can't believe... For the fact, there's a couple of reasons why it was so funny. One, the way that it started, like you said, on the post-show of all things, not even on SmackDown this upcoming Thursday or whatever, the way it started and... What the hell did they do with Ryback and Rusev? What happened to that few? People were behind that. They were behind it in the Rumble match. I mean, of all the things that got overshadowed, Ryback was on a roll in that contest about to take out Rusev before he got taken out in anticlimactic fashion too. But what do you do with that matchup? If anything, if they were definitely going to do Cena versus Rusev at WrestleMania, which I'm still against, I still don't think they should do that because I do not want Cena. Like, I mean, you and I were talking about a month ago, I mean, about, you know, doing the same shit year and year. You know, we don't want the same thing twice in a row with, like, you know, the new guy winning the title, whatever. That's the same thing we saw last year with Cena overcoming the odds, beating the undefeated Bray Wyatt. This year it's going to be the same exact thing that I don't want to see. But if they do it, I understand it's a big rub for Rusev. Even if he loses, I mean, he still might be buried. We'll have to wait and see. But why not, at the very least, blow off Rusev and Ryback at the next pay-per-view? I'm sure they'll probably do it on fucking SmackDown, of all things. But Ryback has been getting a great reaction since he came back. It's just it's just mind-boggling to me. I, I just don't get it. It's because they don't know what they're doing, Graham. They have no idea what <laughs> they're doing. They're just throwing this shit I, together at the last minute. Never in my life have I read more tweets begging... Uh, Mr. McMahon has stepped down than this past um, this past week. It's, it's crazy. I look forward I mean, to the. Uh, go ahead. Uh, he's a le- Mr. McMahon's a legend in this industry, but it's just nothing has has staggered my love for this sport than this 
past Sunday and Monday. Nothing has made me question what the hell I'm doing. Investing my life and emotion and money into this endeavor than the Royal Rumble and Monday Night, and the absence of Monday Night Raw. That, that, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I could be like, you know, running, like, like running for office or something. I don't know. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this. Yep. I look forward to uh, what Triple H has to say on the show, and especially Stone Cold Steve Austin next week on the WWE Network, immediately following Raw, the return of the Stone Cold Podcast and WWE Network. That should be great, uh, to say the least. That would, that would definitely be great. I mean, like we saw last time, Stone Cold pulls no punches in those in those environments. I mean, he has this man everything, including the kitchen sink. Uh, it didn't really work, but I mean, he has everything there. And um, I, I, I assure you, got to go back and watch the Vince one again and hear him say that he's not in that he's not out of touch and he knows what the audience watches and then you go back and watch the rumble it's just comical but um and, and Triple H is a guy that to me seems like he knows the business side of things I never really I never loved Triple H as a wrestler I mean I respect the guy of course but as a wrestler he's never among my favorites but as a businessman the guy knows what the hell he's doing with NXT bringing back Warrior, San Martino, Backlund, Hart, everybody um, more recently, Macho Man Randy Savage, who's probably the guy that talked to Lanny to get him back in WWE, you know? So I look forward to, I mean, he, maybe he's going to be shaking his head at, like, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know if he's going to say that on his own network, uh, you know, in front of Vince. I'm not really sure if he would admit that what they did at the Rumble was not the right booking. I mean, he's a big fan of Roman Reigns. I'm surprised, uh, you know, he might have been, you know, he was okay with that. We'll have to wait and see, but I look forward to it, though. But in the final few minutes, I'm going to get your thoughts on the more positive side of things from the Rare Rumble, um, specifically the championship matchup and the returns in the Rumble match itself. We'll make brief talk of both these things. Kicking off with the championship match, what were your thoughts on that phenomenal title match between Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, and John Cena? Well, here's how it is. I started the Royal Rumble off um, just watching candidly, not exactly keeping my eyes glued on the screen. Of course, they had some really, you know, uh, not, not fantastic matches starting off tonight. And so I actually left the TV screen for a second. I came back just in time to see uh, the beginning of the Triple Threat match. I thought it was going to be the right match, and boy, was I wrong. It was a fantastic match. I had some of my friends who are the farthest thing from uh, professional wrestling fans, like just the polar opposite, telling me that they purchased the WWE Network to see that match, and they said it was the craziest thing they've ever seen in a long time. So that was really, really cool to hear. I mean, that match was amazing. And the only thing is, I'm, I'm sorry that they were on the same show as Roman Reigns winning the Royal Rumble, because forever in history will they be overshadowed by the anarchy that ensued after Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble. I mean, that match, that was a WrestleMania caliber match. Like, if that match could have been the main event of WrestleMania, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delighted to see it. So that, that was just a phenomenal match. Um, I think more than anything, that match has uh, confirmed everyone that Seth Rollins is ready for a solo main event at Mania. Like, he's, he is ready. He is absolutely ready. After, after he hit that corkscrew from the top rope, I was like, oh my gosh. That, is, that, that was amazing. So it definitely he that 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 definitely like told me proved to me that above anyone else Seth Rollins is ready. He's absolutely ready. If he wasn't ready already, exactly. The guy was made a star on Sunday night if he already wasn't a star beforehand. But, yeah, that corkscrew splash that he used, I think it's called the Phoenix Splash, I want to say. He probably made it famous on uh, on the indie scene because it's saw a lot of people freaking out over it, you know, knowing what it was called and whatever. And I love the moves like that. They bust out, 
very rarely. Like, imagine if he did that in every match. Like, I wouldn't give a shit. Like, as as amazing as the Red Arrow is from Adrian Neville, he does in every single matchup, so it's nothing... I mean, it's still special, but it's not, like, as great as it could have been if he busted out every once in a while. Like, that move was phenomenal. He picked it out in the right stage, the right match, the right guy on Brock Lesnar, of all people, and it made for an amazing moment. And, like, CM Punk in that... Go ahead. And it reminded me of um, Brock Lesnar breaking out the uh, shooting star press at WrestleMania 19. Exactly. That's yep. what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. That and uh, what I was also thinking of Cena versus Punk on that a great episode of Raw a couple of years ago when Punk busted out the pile driver. And uh, of yeah, course. Cena, busted, Cena brought out the power bomb, which he does a little more frequently now, but back then. Yeah. And the February, tw- the February 25th, uh, 2013 edition of Raw. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right, yeah. Right before WrestleMania. That was a fantastic match. Because it, it, it was an actual wrestling match. It wasn't... They weren't doing the classic Cena-Punk spots. You know, they weren't doing... It was like... There was actually a wrestling... It was, there was wrestling involved. Like, you know, there was... There was uh, unpredictability. So that's mm-hmm. like... That, that's, and that's exactly what we got the Royal Rumble, so... Exactly. That's why the build-up to that matchup was so great, and I think the unpredictability of it was so great, like, so well done as well, because Cena could have walked out of there as champion. I was hell-bent on him winning the title, and then Rollins cashing in, and we would have gotten that at WrestleMania. Uh, Rollins versus Reigns, whatever. I thought there was a huge chance that Rollins could walk out with the title, and both of you and I said that Lesnar was the guy to walk out, but I just didn't have much faith that that was going to happen, so... That added to it. The build was great. Seth was made to look like an equal going into the show. And the match, like you said, was a wrestling match. We had some interference from J&J security, but not much, not not enough to bog down the match. And if anything, I think it added to it. The table spot was great. Kane didn't come in. The big show didn't come in. Like, none of that shit. Like, they didn't bog it down with a typical WWE sports entertainment bullshit, and that's why it was so great. And I completely agree. I thought it was one of the best matches we've seen all year, obviously. But um, I look forward to whatever's going to top that for the remainder of 2015. But in the final few minutes, I want to ask you this. What were your thoughts on the returns in the Rumble match of Diamond Dallas Page, the Boogeyman, and specifically Bubba Ray Dudley, TNA's own Bully oh Ray? Oh, my goodness. What now, were your thoughts? I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want to steal any of your thunder. But um, I noticed on Twitter you might have been a minute or two behind. Uh, I, I, it might have it just been a tweet delay. I don't know. But when Bubba Ray came out, I remember <laughs> marking out. I was staring at my timeline waiting for you to tweet something. Because you and I had talked. And you're like, of anyone's return, I wanted to be the Dudley's. And it was Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray. We mm-hmm. met yeah, mine, yep. back in November. We yep. met him. Um, and I was just staring at my timeline waiting for you to mark out. And eventually you did. And it was hilarious to see. <laughs> but that had to be. It was at that point in the night, too, when he came in and was doing all the, the uh, classic Dudley spots of our truth. It was at that point where I tweeted, this is the greatest Rumble, Royal Rumble of all time. Yep. And I, and I ate my words later in the night. <laughs> but, I mean, it was that spot right there. And I honestly hope that the WWE had paid attention to what he did in TNA. I doubt they did. But his character, Bully Ray, was perfect in TNA, and they would be stupid not to use that Bully Ray character in the WWE at some point in the near future. I mean, he, he said in a lot of interviews after, like, uh, I'm glad to be home in the WWE. Mm-hmm. I mean, you refer to the WWE as home. Like, this is an ECW, this is in TNA. You refer to the WWE as home. Right? I mean, of course, you could have just been doing that for the paycheck. You never know. But, um, that was really cool to see Bubba Ray in there. And, I mean, it was cool to see him in his classic camo and taped glasses and stuff. But if he were to ever, like, do a, a part-time run in the company, I'd love to see him throw on that hardcore 5150 muscle tee that had him come out saying, do you know who I am? That would just be, that would be great. Oh, awesome. The number at which you came into, like you said, I think was perfect. Because it came in at number three right after Miz and Truth, of all people, kicked off the match. Because I figured when Miz came in, I'm thinking, okay, Miz, that was out next. And then we get our Truth, of all people. And, of course, it would make sense. They had had the African-American replacement for Devon because he wasn't there, which I thought was great. But, um, yeah, it came as such a surprise. I was so happy. I, I, my tweet was delayed because I was still marking out from his music being hit. 
And uh, like you said, I, that was the one guy of everyone that was being rumored and Randy Orton, Bo Dallas, I guess, was rumored at one point, too. Of all the people that I wanted to see come back, it was the Dudley Boys, and we got Bubba Ray on Sunday night. For the first time in 10 years, like they said, such a long time, and the first time that you and I as, as fans have seen him in the WWE, so it was great. But um, like you said, I think we talked about this a while ago, too, when because I was at your house over SummerSlam weekend when it was first rumored that he was leaving TNA, he might be WWE bound, and I didn't think it was going to happen, but now that it has, um, and I still, I, I still maintain this to this day, in that I don't think, as much as they loved Bully Ray, I do not have faith in WWE that that character, they would let it fly in WWE with the PG product and whatever else. I think they could. Like, Kevin Owens is essentially Kevin Steen in Ring of Honor, but that's a Ring of Honor thing. They like Ring of Honor. They hate TNA. Like, they never let anyone from TNA be who they are in WWE. So I don't know if they would let them do that, let him do that. I would love to see it, like you said. And I think the promos that he could have with guys like Bray Wyatt or fucking John Cena, of all people, that would be amazing. Um, and he's not like a Jericho and he has other stuff going on. I'm pretty sure he's, you know, he's pretty much just laying low right now, hanging out with his girlfriend, Velvet Sky, who I also think has gone from TNA. And um, he's not, he's out of age. Like back in TNA, he was working all the time. He can do a full-time schedule. He can do a Jericho RVD schedule where he's in here for a few months and feuding with a John Cena for a great feud. Like, I don't know. I still say this in that I don't know if people would take him seriously because he's been a glorified tag team guy, and I don't know how many people saw TNA and his work over there. But if they really put an effort into making him something special and making him in a Bully Ray-like character, and he wouldn't use the Bully Ray name, but I think he can be something great, like you said. So, do you think he is going to stick around for a while, or do you think it was a one-and-done type deal for Bubba Ray and WWE? I'll say this. I think we haven't seen the last of him in WWE, whether it be a future Hall of Fame uh, run, which he very well deserves, um, or whether it be, like you said, uh, a five-month stint with the company and uh, another all-five-month all five stint with the company. Um, I think that we haven't seen the last one. That's pretty cool. I mean, remember when Diesel returned um, in 2011, was it, right? Yep. And then he came back later that year to feud with Triple H. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that, was, that, like, that, was, that was pretty, at the time, that was pretty uh, high-end stuff right there. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I will say that we haven't seen the last of Bubble Ray in the WWE. Well, yeah, whether it be as a singles guy or in a tag team with Devon, which be, would be great in matches with the Usos or even the Ascension or whoever or whoever else they have in the tag team division right now, that'd be epic. So I look forward to his future involvement with the company. And I think bringing him out and the reaction that he would get was kind of an indicator of whether or not, and this has happened before, Mr. Perfect back in 2002 came into the Rumble. They re-signed him, and based on the reaction that he would have gotten in that Rumble, that would have determined whether they, he stuck around or not. And the reaction he got that night was so great, and the performance he had was so awesome. They ended up resigning him to a contract, and he never did anything with him. He ended up passing away the following year, unfortunately. But I think Bubba Ray is a guy, the reaction that he got on Sunday night, one of the mere highlights of that matchup before it all went downhill after after Brian got eliminated. I think he can stick around for a while and have a very good career in WWE. So that's going to close it off for WrestleRant Radio, John. Thanks for joining me. But before we let you go, your closing thoughts on Rumble, WWE, everything else going on right now. All right, so we are officially on the road to WrestleMania. The Royal Rumble had its ups and it definitely had its downs. But all in all, I think it was a pretty good start to 2015, especially if the WWE can turn everything around with all the backlash and the fallout from the Royal Rumble. If they can turn this around and give us a great WrestleMania 31, I got no problems with what they did on Sunday. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at John. Nap 17 and of course read my John Starring columns all on Graham's next era wrestling.weebly.com Graham thank you so much for having me no problem John thanks as always for coming on great talking to you oh of course have me on again soon I have no I have nothing to do at school <laughs> sounds good brother I'll catch you down the road alright thanks man once again, thanks to John for joining me at Last Notice to talk all about the Royal Rumble and the road to WrestleMania as WrestleMania 31 is only 61 days away. We continue on the road to WrestleMania next Tuesday night as for the first time in nearly six, seven weeks, I want to say. I don't know what the exact number count is. But uh, we go back to being live on 365.com, live365.com, backslash stations, backslash ECTV73. That's a mouthful. But yeah, for the first time in nearly a month and a half, we go back to being live. You can also catch the archive version of this show where you're listening to it right now, right now, right here on nextairwrestling.weebly.com. We're going to talk all about Monday Night Raw, the first Raw since two weeks ago, technically because last night didn't count. 
But uh, it's going to be a cool show. RJ and I will be talking all about Raw, WrestleMania. He's going to be ranting his head off. We talked a little bit last night about the show um, via text, and he's really anxious to get back on the air to air his grievances in regards to the Royal Rumble, Raw, and everything else going on right now. So like I said at the start of the broadcast, make sure to check out my debut article this upcoming week on ProWrestlingShirts.com. Check out my new articles at WhatCulture.com and the WWE section. Same thing with Bleacher Report. You can find me on Twitter. Make sure to follow at WrestleRant, Facebook, Graham Houston, Matthew. YouTube, same thing, and Bleach Report, same thing. Next to wrestling.wb.com, where you're listening to the show right now. New episode to WrestleRant Radio every Tuesday, starting next week. Like I said before, hopefully don't botch this time. Live, 365.com backslash stations backslash ECTV73. There we go. Didn't botch that ending, much like WWE did on Sunday with their Royal Rumble matchup. So once again, guys, thanks for listening live. Uh, If you're in the Northeast, hopefully you guys stay safe during the snowstorm, and I'll catch you guys next week live on EC Radio for WrestleRant Radio, our first live episode of 2015. I'll catch you guys then.